gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host on this wonderful day, Andrew Decker. How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's uh, it's a hot one out there. Uh, we know this is going to release later, but it's still September, and it's like 103 degrees out in uh, the great state of Texas. It's hot. Uh, but in here, it's nice and cool. We have the air conditioner on, and I have a friend of mine, uh, Tobias Lopez. Uh, we went to law school together. That's where we met. Um, he currently works for Ed Jones as a criminal defense attorney, primarily in Tarrant County, but I know he goes to other places. I've seen him other places. Uh, but his, his, the thing that he and I do the most together is he's the general manager for the Fort Worth Vaqueros Football Club. Uh, for the rest of you who live in America, that's soccer. Um, and it's our minor league team in Fort Worth, and I'm uh, glad to be associated with it. Uh, welcome, Tobias. Thanks for coming out. No, it's a pleasure to be out here with you guys. I appreciate you bringing me on. Appreciate you plugging the Vaqueros, of course, the only active minor league soccer team in Fort Worth. No hockey, no basketball, no nothing anymore. So we're we're carrying the torch for Fort Worth with our little minor league team. We play every summer, so a little plug there for them. And uh, But I'm ready to jump in and talk some, uh, some actual criminal law and uh, still an appeal that kind of went our way. Right, right. Um, so this summer, you, uh, well, an opinion came down from the second court of appeals. Uh, and well, let's start with, where is that? Okay, so uh, obviously we mostly do Tarrant County at, at Jones Law Firm, who I work for. I've been an associate with him since I graduated law school in 2011. And uh, the bulk of our work is in Tarrant County. And so the second court of appeals deals with Tarrant County and the surrounding smaller counties out there. But mostly Fort Worth issues come through there, whether it's a criminal or actual civil. They'll hear both cases. But in our case, this is a criminal case that we brought forth. And, and the, the actual court is in the Tim Curry Justice Center on the ninth floor, right? Yeah, that's correct. Everybody laughs about the ninth floor is the pretty floor. It's the fancy floor <laughs> because it's the Court of Appeals and all the other ones are just, you know, misdemeanor courts and slummy and all that. But that's the joke is that, oh, you're going up to the ninth floor. Yeah, it's all pretty up there. All right. So um, in this case that, that you brought uh, to, to them, you appealed, uh, you raised a constitutional issue um, of, of free speech. Tell me, how did you come up with the idea? What made you think to try and raise a constitutional issue of free speech on a criminal case? Okay. Well, yeah, let's jump into it, and I'll kind of give you a little background and, and sh show you where this all came about. As I mentioned before, I work for Ed Jones. He's been practicing in Tarrant County for about 20 years now. So I'm an associate with his firm. He hired me. And uh, he's got a wealth of experience. And we had a client, Charles Barton, who was charged with the harassment. And the specific section of the harassment statute we're dealing with is just a newer section of law that deals with electronic communications. So think texts or emails. But as we go through and discuss, we're going to find out that it is a wider range. And there's a lot of issues with that. And specifically, Judge Chief Justice Sutterick had an issue with when it comes to tweets. But Ed, in his experience, said, hey, we've got this client. He's got a harassment statute. I know that both stalking and harassment statutes have been repeatedly overturned, whether it's in Texas, whether it's in California, just across the country, for a lot of different reasons. Mostly, though, because they're vague. They don't give fair notice uh, of what's restricted. It's unequal law enforcement. There's just a whole lot of issues that we're going to discuss in the next 30 minutes. 
Um, but he said, okay, look, this is, this is your baby. Get on this. Start doing the homework. Find out what you can find out about this and see if this is good law or if we can challenge the law here because it seems like there's some real issues with the electronic communication and the new form of media it is and the law being very vague and overbroad. So under his, you know, command or <laughs> orders or however you want to say it, if you know Ed Jones, you know it was probably a command, um, I started looking into it and digging in and said, okay, what are the problems here? And uh, I managed to find, you know, all the history of stalking statutes throughout the country and saw how many of them are written just really vague. What does it mean to annoy someone? What does it mean to harass someone? What does it mean to embarrass someone? We all have different standards. And so how are we going to enforce something that's so broad or vague? And, and that's what the courts have said for years. And what they've done is they usually say, okay, your law's bad. And then they'll tell the legislatures, here's how you fix it. And then they'll go back and rewrite it. And then when it's challenged again, they'll uphold it saying, hey, we told them how to fix it and they did, right? So we basically use that knowledge to say, okay, let's, let's look back at what's been done and how do we take that a step forward when it comes to electronic communication. So Tobias, there, there may be some non-lawyers, uh, non-legal scholars listening to this. Um, but, and so just kind of on the, at the elementary level, um, text messages, they don't, you know, it's not verbal speech. It still incurs First Amendment protections, correct? Well, absolutely. I mean, you're still communicating. You're still, we've still got to be free to communicate ideas. And we've still got to be free to communicate ideas that we personally find, you know, repulsive, right? right? I'll go to bat for the KKK every day of the week when it comes to their right to be jerks, right? right. Because okay. I can't stand them. They are completely opposite philosophically from what I am. But they have to have that same right to be a jerk as I have the same right to say, no, we should all love each other. Yeah. We're all equal, you know? We should date all races and right. be with all races and all of that. Right. But Not something you believe in, but you believe in their right to express yes. their own beliefs. Right. Understood. And because once you start once you start restricting speech and you know, then you know, it's the old World War Two saying about how they didn't I didn't speak up and then finally they there was no one left me. to speak yep. to me, right? Right. Well if we really believe in free speech, we have to have the ability to speak in all manners. And when it comes to texts and emails and stuff, there usually is legitimate communication. Right. I mean, we've all had text fights with our wife, girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, ex-wife, you know, brother, sister, whoever it is. But under this law, just those basic communications have been criminalized. Yeah. And so we've got to be able to speak freely. We have to be able to communicate and we have to be able to get angry sometimes and not be held criminally liable for getting angry or, you know, maybe something that's annoying or maybe embarrassing somebody. We have to be able to speak freely. And especially with the new media of electronic communications, again, I've mentioned Twitter already, but that's going to be a big point in, in the arguments that were made and one of the reasons why this law was overturned. So uh, procedurally, when, when y'all, uh, I guess when the case was filed, y'all got on the case representing Mr. Barden, um, you filed a motion to quash the indictment. Trial court denied it. And then a writ of habeas corpus was filed. Why go that route? Okay. Yeah, so the first step was, and this is an issue that's going to have to be addressed in the future as well, 
but it's not being addressed at this moment. But the first step was motion to quash the information because this is a misdemeanor, there wasn't an indictment. But the information itself just says, look, he's charged with sending texts that were harassing, annoying, alarming, all of the verbiage that they use in there to her repeatedly on this date, okay? Well, here's a problem with that. That was our first issue is when you pull their phone records, she texted him 300 times on that day. He texted her 150. What am I dealing with there? Which text out of those 300 that were sent that day am I having to defend against? Well, and, and obviously if there's 300 from one person and 150 from the other, they're engaged in a conversation. Absolutely. There's legitimate because they were going through a divorce, right? And that's what this Which is sucks. about. Which sucks. Yeah, it's not fun. I've been there. Uh, but there is legitimate communication going on there, and it's not like she wasn't texting as well. But so now what am I defending against? That information doesn't tell me a thing about what I'm defending against. But as you guys know, what does an information or indictment look like when you're charged with ag assault deadly weapon? It'll say two wit, a, a, a knife, or, um, you know, against a certain person, two wit, a knife, on or about, and, it'll, and so you end up with like going, okay, so I know I'm dealing with a knife. I'm not dealing with a baseball bat. Exactly. I know what I need to defend against. I know what the allegation is. It's same thing with a theft. He stole, you'll see in the information, he sold three razor blades. He sold some deodorant. He sold some from Dollar General, right? I know what the allegation is there. With that information, I have no idea. I don't know if it's a text or is it an email. Am I going to show up to court and I've been preparing for this to defend against this email? And they're like, oh, no, that's not what was annoying. It was this text, text number 63 on that day. That's what we're upset Well, about, wouldn't right? it have to be number 63 and 64 because it has to be repeated? It, it, it does have to be repeated, correct. Uh, but you see where I'm going with that, right? The information alone does not tell me what I'm defending against. So that was our first motion to quash was just, look, this is, this is a problem here, right? We don't do this in other states. And there's case law that says in an information where it's subjective, it needs to do more than just parrot the language itself of the statute. Well, that's all they did in this case. So they had nine counts of you know, harassment that was meant to annoy, alarm, embarrass, all of the things that say that. But I don't know, well, were these alarming texts? Were they embarrassing texts? Were they annoying texts? So that was the first step in our challenge, just to quash and say, look, y'all got to do a better job. Let us know what we're fighting against here. And then that was overturned. He, he, Judge Vanover in Court 8, CCC 8 of Tarrant County, said, no, I'm going to deny your motion and let it go forward. So then we came back and said, okay, how do we get this to the Court of Appeals before we end up having to try this case? So as we did our homework, you know, and again, Ed's involved in this process a lot. He's like, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to find a writ of habeas corpus and then ask Judge Vanover to give us leave of the court to then appeal it up to the Sagan Court of Appeals, which is what happened. And so then they were able to hear the issues that we had regarding the constitutionality of the statute. And now when we were arguing it, I threw in the other stuff about the information not being accurate. But they said, no, you're, you're too early for that. Okay. But we wanted to get in ahead of time because what had happened was there was a prior case that challenged the law, this, the Karnev case, 
that challenged the law, and the second court of appeals said, yeah, you're right, this is a bad statute. They even say it was lifeless at birth was the actual language they used. Wow. Saying, <laughs> I mean, this is a bad law. Uh, but they brought it up after trial, and they said, because you didn't bring it up at trial or pre-trial, you have no right to appeal. So the state court of criminal appeals just kicked it out. So Karnev lost his chance to really challenge the law itself. And the state court of criminal appeals didn't address the heart of the matter, the logic, the flaws in the, in the language of the statute. Right, and that's actually one of the things that, we, that, that in a couple of other episodes, and I'm sure it's going to come up again in others, is that if you don't preserve appeal correctly, you can actually have a valid constitutional issue and the appeals court or the court of criminal appeals or even the Supreme Court of the United States will look at it and go, you didn't ask the question the right way or at the right time, so you get to spend three years in jail. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good for you for even figuring out when and where you had to ask the question. All right. So um, I think uh, Andrew Decker has given me all the elementary ones. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's see my my notes here. So, okay, so the court of appeals is construing the law as it was written on the date of offense. Is that right? That is correct. So it's not. Well, it's not a version of that that uh, penal code chapter as it exists or as it has been amended. Um, I think in twenty seventeen. Right. Right. So, well, it is and it isn't. Okay. okay. So this case is actually. Uh, Mr. Barton's case is from 2015. So at that point, we were still under the code from 2013. Okay. So what we're right. arguing about is, is when you look at it is 42 section A7, which just deals, section 7 just deals with electronic communication. Yeah. So what they had done was in 2015, when they defined electronic communication, they had in there stuff about pagers, facsimile machines, they had a little bit about an email, but they didn't have anything regarding Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all of the stuff that's come out, right? So they amended it just this last time around to throw in basically social media, because right. it, at this time, social media wasn't part of the law, yeah. right? So they've tweaked that, but the language itself just regarding electronic communication, they've changed the definition of what electronic communication is, but they didn't change anything when it comes to the heart of the matter, and that is what does it mean to annoy someone? What does it mean to harass them, alarm them, embarrass them? And who can read these things? All of the issues that deal with just the communication itself is still open, and it's still bad law. So that's where we're at with, yes, there have been some tweaks, but what we're arguing with, it's still unchanged. So it's been found unconstitutional. It goes up. It doesn't matter, like, okay, well, the 2013 version is unconstitutional. 2017, we're still good. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter. It, it's, it's, uh, it, it's kind of, you know, been found unconstitutional. And at this level of court, it still has some other procedural stuff to go through, which um, I think we'll talk about a little bit later, but um, it doesn't matter the version of the law. This version here, I think, is what I'm getting at. It's been found unconstitutional. It's, it's, uh, it's now for a higher court to decide, right? That is correct, yes. Okay. So, so what's happened was we argued this 
in September of 2018, we got the ruling just the end of last week, two weeks of August 2019. So here we are a month later, September 2019, discussing this. Um, but so at this point, the second court of appeals agreed with our arguments regarding the law itself and said, yes, we agree. It is unconstitutional. It's a bad law. So then the state has, obviously, they've got to challenge that or they've got to throw out every harassment, you know, charge that's out there. So basically what's going on in the courthouse right now is everything in, in Tarrant County, any misdemeanor charge for harassment under only electronic communications, okay? We got to keep that in mind. We're only talking about electronic communications because all the other previous sections have been challenged, overturned, and then rewritten, and then the Court of Criminal Appeals has said, okay, that part's good, right? So when it comes to like section four, which deals with I call you on your landline in the middle of the night and let it ring and ring and ring and ring and ring and hang up, and ring and ring and ring and ring and hang up, and I'm not trying to have actual communication. That's been right. fixed, tweaked through the years to where they've now said that's good law. Right. But this section with electronic communication is not good law. So everything under this has been put on hold in Tarrant County. Nobody's, the DAs are just saying, hey, we're just gonna pass this case down the road. We're not trying to enforce this. You know, we're gonna wait and see what happens. So we got a letter uh, a couple weeks ago from the state that says, okay, we are tr asking the same court of appeals for a rehearing. We don't agree with your ruling. We want a rehearing. So right now, as of this, we're in limbo waiting to see whether Second Court Appeals is going to say, okay, yes, you made a good point. We're going to change our mind, which I don't think is going to happen, right? And as we talk about the, the hearing itself when we did oral arguments, you'll see, and if you read the opinion, you'll see Chief Justice Sutterith had some real problems with the law as it is. Right. So I can't imagine they're going to say, oh, yeah, no, we changed our mind. We were wrong. You're right. So then the state's going to then going to have to appeal it up to the Court of Criminal Appeals. And I think that's what's going to happen because there is conflicting, uh, you know, Corpus Christi has said this law is okay. Although, again, if you read the opinion, they took direct aim at Corpus Christi saying, you guys are idiots, you analyzed this <laughs> wrong. <Yeah. laughs> um, and so if you look for that, it's pretty funny if you look for that in the opinion where they basically called out Corpus Christi. So right now you've got conflicting jurisdictions saying, okay, it's good here, but it's bad here. So I think the State Court of Criminal Appeals is going to have to address it. And I, my hope is they're going to say, yes, Tobias, you guys are right. They need to fix this law. And what they'll do is they'll rewrite it for them. And then at the next legislative session after that, then the legislation will be like, oh, hey, we're going to fix this law. <laughs> and they'll just do what they've done all throughout history and just refix it based on what the, whatever the ruling court says on how to make it good law. So I think, you know, we're, that's probably a couple of years down the road before we get final resolution on this. All right. Um, so so I, I, I have read the opinion. You know, we told you we were going to read it before we got together. Oh, Lord, you um, read it more than I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won? Okay, stop reading. That's right. That's right. Um, well, you lived it, so you didn't have to read it. It's kind of like, you know, w you know we're, we're doing the movie version trying to do the book report where you actually, like, lived it and can put details in that aren't in the movie. Um uh, but one of the things I noticed in the opinion, it talks about the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Did you raise any issues under the Texas Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, and why or why not? No, we, we threw the kitchen sink in there, man. If you look at the, the original brief, and if you could go back 
because we have a record both on the motion to quash, the writ of habeas corpus, the brief itself for second court of appeals, the oral argument itself. So throughout that process of basically four different arguments, right, the motion to quash the oral argument for Judge Van Oken, he then incorporated those arguments in the writ of habeas corpus, and we argued some more stuff, so we had the double record in that. Then we wrote our brief for second court of appeals, and we argued unconstitutional state constitution, I mean, anything we could throw in there, if you read the brief, we said it's unconstitutional, all of this stuff. All right. So we were just trying to cover all our bases. So if you read the brief that we wrote, it is in there that we challenge both under the text constitution because it's actually some pretty good protections there. Surprisingly, because people think Texas is, you know, very conservative. But when it comes to First Amendment protections, there are some really strong ones under Texas Constitution as well. Right, yeah, the law's actually been interpreted in a few places, and it's part of the reason why any time I bring up a free speech question, I, I would say bring up the Texas Constitution, is the protections under the Texas Constitution are actually a little broader than under the U.S. Constitution. Um, and, and so it's part of the reason why I caught it, because I've actually had an argument, uh, didn't win, so it didn't go anywhere, but... Um, Anyway, but you, obviously you're a better attorney than I am, so we're going to give you kudos on that. Um, <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> all right, so, so one of the things, first of all, you got to do oral arguments. Lots of times the court hears a case, and that means they, they might or might not have actually read the paper. You actually got to go and appear before the court. We did, and that, I did, and that was a lot of fun, and people were surprised because I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm asking for oral argument. They're like, yeah, okay, Tobias, good luck with that, dude. <laughs> good luck, kid. You know, here I am, the young attorney, you know, with less than five years' experience, and here I am, oh, yeah, I'm going to get that oral argument, man. They're going to go with me, you know, and they're like, okay, okay, whatever. You ain't even getting the oral argument, so you better write a good paper. Uh, but they did give us, they did grant us oral argument. So in September of last year, 2018, um, I argued it for myself, for our firm. Uh, Mr. Barton was there just to watch, obviously, because he's involved in it. Uh, and then the state attorney was there, Stephen Baker. Uh, and so we got up there. And obviously, because it was our motion, we start, we start the argument. And, uh, you know, I, I first off said, you know, and this is all online. You can actually go to the second court website if you want to hear my rambling, bumbling <laughs> oral argument. You can be like, that guy won. He's terrible. Uh, but a couple of things. I was like, look, you guys have already given me a roadmap. You've already said this is bad law. So I'm just here following the procedure and doing it right this time so we preserve that appeal. But you've already told me it's bad law. And so I was, you know, I was kind of sucking up to him a little bit, like, hey, I'm just doing what y'all told me, right? So that was the first part of the argument. And then I got into what I call the Weird Al defense, right? And this is one of my favorite parts is uh, I said, okay, judge, I'm an educated man. I've been to law school. I, you know, I'm 45 years old. I've, I've got some life skills. And I think Weird Al Yankovic is annoying. I've got an older brother who's a college professor at Ohio State. He's equally educated. You know, he's got his doctorate. He's teaching young minds. He loves Weird Al Yankovic. Which one of us is correct? What is annoying, right? Annoying to me is Weird Al Yankovic. He loves Weird Al Yankovic. Who's right? Now, it's funny because one of the judges was like, yeah, your brother's right. <laughs> right? <laughs> so she was obviously a Weird Al fan. Uh, but, th but that's the whole problem, right? What does annoying mean to you? What is annoying to you, you know? If you listen to sports radio station, a lot of people li listen to the ticket, right? There's a particular host in there named Gordon Keith who I find annoying. A lot of people think he's funny as all get out. You know, who's right? Who's wrong? What does it mean to embarrass somebody? 
What does it mean to harass somebody, right? We all have different opinions when it comes to that. And so, you know, that, that's a real problem is how much speech am I going to restrict myself and in my communication because I'm afraid I'm annoying somebody. I mean, I, I, I love that you got oral argument. You're actually the one who argued your case to the Court of Appeals because that, it doesn't happen a lot. They don't grant oral argument on a lot of these issues. Uh, so congratulations for that. I think that's great experience, even if you are, you know, you hadn't been licensed that long or don't have that kind of experience. Now you're one of the few attorneys in the area who have actually argued uh, before the, the Court of Appeals. I think, that's, I think that's phenomenal. And, you know, you may say, you know, be humble here and, and say you're just rambling and all that, but you actually um, obviously made an impact on the court. In one of their footnotes, um, they restated one of the hypotheticals that you told them, and, and it, it wasn't the Weird Al Yankovic one, although that's, that's pretty genius. Um, but it was about a hypothetical about, you know, a father texting his son about mowing the lawn. And, uh, you know, you have to, you know, just like a father has to stay on top of his kids, that, that kid is annoyed that father has, has I guess, violated the penal code or, or this penal code section. Is that right? That's absolutely true. It's so broad, it's so vague that, yes, communications like that, I have broken this law. You have broken this law. Anybody listening to this podcast right now has broken this law with their communication among loved ones at some point. Whether yeah. it's We've probably broken this. <laughs> We've probably broken this law actually making this podcast. Absolutely, you have. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's somebody you've annoyed. Right. And you put it out there. It's electronic communication, right? Yeah. I, mean, you I guarantee you, there's some prosecutors right. listening right now who are, you know. Who are very annoyed and, <laughs> that and we're talking to right. a defense attorney who won, you know? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and look, you know, we've seen zealous prosecutors out there, and you're like, oh, they wouldn't prosecute. Look, we see stuff prosecuted all the time that we think is offensive, but they prosecute. And the problem is, is again, yes, I send my son a text. I mean to annoy him. You were supposed to mow the lawn. Get out there and mow the lawn. Go mow the lawn. Or I'm having a text fight with my girlfriend, you know? Hey, why didn't you pick up the dry cleaning? I wanted you to do that. Hey, woman, what's going on? Hey, you know, whatever. Yeah. You might have that communication, and yet she gets mad enough at you, or you're going through a divorce, or she's got an issue about something else. She goes to the police and says, look, he's harassing me. He's annoying me in this, and I don't like it. And then I'm criminally liable for that? I mean, yeah. that's ridiculous. But under the law, yes, I could be charged for that, and people have been charged for that. And Mr. Barton was charged for that for having fights, text fights with his ex-wife, right? Well, and he had received, I think you said, 300 texts from his ex-wife, and, and he maybe had sent 100 or so, um, and he was the one that was prosecuted. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. I and mean, well, and that's the other problem with texts, right? You can yeah. delete a text. So if I've got a text thread and I only show the police where he's saying ugly things, but I delete my ones where I'm being ugly back or even worse, right? Right? The police are going to look at that and say, oh, God, this guy's terrible, right? Yeah. And that's another issue that's a problem with this is whenever we have a law, we want it to be enforced equally by all law enforcement members. And we talked about this as we were discussing before going on the air, right? If I shove three pizzas down my pants and run out of Target, 10 yeah. out of 10 officers, <laughs> they know... That's theft, Tobias. You can't do that. And I right. know that's theft. I can't do that. Well, and anybody I know I can't do that, do that now. <laughs> right. You know? yeah. right. uh, 
But let's say I'm having a text fight with my girlfriend, and one officer's like, man, this Tobias guy's a real jerk. And then another officer's like, man, I've been there, brother. I understand you're having a text fight with your girl. So one officer might arrest me, and another one may not. But every officer's going to arrest me for theft for running out of Target with pizzas down my shorts, well, right? Well, and it might make a difference on who you are, who the other person is, do they know you, do they know the, the, the recipient of the text, you know, because who called the cops first, all those things can play into who's being harassed and who's being offended and who's being annoyed. And, you know, um, uh, it, it, it was interesting that in the opinion, and I don't know if you brought it up or if the judges brought it up on their own, they actually bring up President Trump's tweets about Rocket Man referring to uh, Kim Jong-un of North Korea that that, that was intended. I mean, he intends to harass, annoy, embarrass and because that's on public display, that would technically be a violation of the law. Um, it, but but there are probably some some persons who would say, no, 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 he's just he's just doing what he's supposed to be doing because he's he's uh, forcing someone else to respond instead of hiding behind literally what we used to call an iron curtain. Absolutely, and and if you listen to the oral arguments, and this is when I knew. You know, obviously you're arguing and you're thinking, okay, the judges have to play devil's advocate and, and address both sides. But as I started my argument, they kind of let me go for about 10, 15 minutes before they jumped in with questions, right? When the state got up there after I'd done my first 22 or whatever minutes they gave us, before the state could even start theirs, Justice Sutterith, who's the chief justice right now, jumped right in and said, President Trump, his tweets... He tweets all the time. It's repeated. There are plenty of people who find it's annoying. Under this statute, he's criminally liable, isn't he? And the state had to say yes. They had to concede. There was no choice because under the law, the way it's written, he is criminally liable because there are people that find those tweets annoying, right? But that goes along with equal enforcement. The guy in the red MAGA hat is out there saying, go Trump, go get him. I love those tweets. I'm not annoyed by that. But then your hardcore Democrat is very offended by that, yeah. right? So that's a problem. And again, when you're talking about political speech, we obviously want First Amendment pro protections. Right. We, you know, Trump, love him or hate him, he needs to be able to do that. And people that are running against him or in, you know, Texas, you know, whether it's Beto O'Rourke running against Ted Cruz or whoever, they need to be able to tweet what they want to say in their platforms. And right now... Pretty much every politician has broken this law. And let's say you're in a district who is anti-Beto uh, O'Rourke, right? The, you, you don't think that there's guys who, would thought, had they thought about it, would have gone and arrested Beto O'Rourke? Or somebody who might have gone and tried to arrest Ted Cruz, you know, because of their tweets? Or Greg Abbott, you know, he's, he's really a guy who tweets a lot that people talk about being offensive. So you get in, you know, a, a Democratic stronghold, are you going to arrest him? Because under this statute... And that was one of the things Justice Sutter came out firing. She's like, okay, a tweet is an electronic communication, yep. and it's annoying, and it's repeated. Therefore, he's violated. And the state had to say, yes, you're right. That's incredible, man. Well, I, we definitely applaud your, uh, your efforts uh, in this and, and, um, and fighting for justice uh, for your client. I mean, um, I, I'm sure he is um, happy with your efforts and, and glad that uh, – you know, that y'all fought so hard for him. Uh, so let's uh, wrap it up. 
Um, we'll try to on the show notes. We'll try to attach the uh, the decision that that came down from the court of appeals on this. Um, for for all of our listeners out there who may be interested in that. Uh, but Tobias, what uh, you got? Have a favorite band? Do you have a favorite musical artist? Yeah, man, you're gonna go right in my wheelhouse right here. So I'm a blues guy all the way through and through. I love the blues genre. You know, I grew up. And I started in the 80s with bad 80s music, then we had hair bands, then we had grunge music. And I got so tired of pop music turning over and over, I said, man, I got to find a style of music that's timely, that's going to last, that I can relate to. So in my mid-20s, I got into blues music, and I'm still into it today. I was just at Blues Fest last weekend over in Bedford. Uh, But, uh, you know, obviously with that comes B.B. King for me. He's my all-time favorite. I love the fact that, you know, he only developed his signature sound because he couldn't play slide guitar, right? He tried to use a guitar slide and couldn't do it. He just physically didn't have the skills. So he said, I love that sound, so I'm going to develop my own sound of bending the strings to try to replicate a slide guitar sound. And by doing so, he came up with that very unique bend in the way he bends the strings. And his sound, if you listen to different blues, you know, you automatically say, oh, yeah, that's B.B. King style right there. So he was one of my favorites. Um, I loved his voice. Uh, yeah, his he'll make the playlist voice. next year for the Vaqueros. Just watch for it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Now, the, none of the players are going to know who he is. but Hey, but, but you and I, be, you'll know it's you a shout-out. You'll know. You'll know. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so a favorite book or a, bo- or a book you've read recently that you like? Dude, this is worth a read. Yeah, well, I just picked up Neil deGrasse uh, Tyson's uh, – it's uh, – astrophysics for the busy man or something to that title and so i'm diving into that right now i'm uh i love space i love science i would have loved to been an astronaut and i'll be on the mars mission when they start sending lawyers up there um so i just picked that up at barnes and noble we my daughter and i go every weekend to barnes and noble so that's what i picked up this past weekend uh so that's what i'm diving into right now yeah, so that'd be um, astrophysics for people in a hurry. There you Is go. That right? That's the right, exact that's title. Yeah. Interesting. Good. Yeah. Um, well, what about uh, a, a piece of advice? The best piece of advice you've ever gotten as a lawyer, or a piece of advice you could pass on to to younger attorneys or or other attorneys that uh, uh, you know maybe maybe needing something out yeah, there. Yeah. No. Absolutely. This, this always I get this question a lot. Whether it's as my role in soccer or as a lawyer or as you know speaking to students in college. And professionally, the best advice, obviously my dad gave me lots of great advice that I live by, but professionally, when I was in, before I became an attorney, I was a sports writer for many years for the Star-Telegram, for Dallas Morning News, I wrote some for Sports Illustrated. You know, I did sports journalism for years and years and years, but as I was at UT Arlington studying journalism, I wrote for the school paper, The Shorthorn, right? And we had an advisor there by the name of John Dykus, and anybody who has done any work in Tarrant County, Dallas County, anywhere in North Texas as a journalist, was touched by this man. And I'll never forget, John came to me one day and he said, look, Tobias, you're a good writer, okay, but you're not a great writer, okay? Now, you can become a great writer. You have the tools there, but here's what you got to quit doing. You got to quit listening to your girlfriend, your mom, your friends tell you how good of a writer you are, that you're great already, because you're not. You're just a college kid you got a long way to go. Now, the talent is there, but if you want to be great, you're going to have to get better. You're going to have to learn to take criticism. You're going to have to learn from others who have been there and who have done that, right? Listen to the editors. They're trying to help you, right? So I took that with me 
all throughout my journalism career, and now uh, later in life as I've started my second career as a lawyer, that advice still applies, right? You know, I've got one big win on this appeals thing, right? It could get overturned at any day, right? So I've still got to continue to get better, right? So I'm a, I feel like I'm a good lawyer now, but if I want to be that great lawyer, I've got to listen to guys like Ed who have mentored me since I got out and passed the bar exam, you know? I've learned so much from him. I'm learning stuff from you guys, you know? We all sit around at, at the courthouse and we're just banging ideas off of each other. How should we try this? What do you think about this case? What do you think about this defense, right? So no matter how good you are, whatever it is, you're not gonna be great unless you listen to other people, learn from other people, and just, you know, listen is the main thing. We spend so much time, especially lawyers, man, we're arrogant, we think, oh, I've been through law school, I know more about this than you. You know, there's a, there's a level of vanity that we all have, and sometimes we spend too much time worried about our own vanity and not listening to other people. So like, like yeah. John Dykus told me, you're good, but you're not great, so work hard to get great. That's awesome. That is some great advice. And now I need to go work on... I need to, I need to listen more. Listen more, work on my stuff, take, take better criticism. All right, so one more question. How do people find you? They, they've now heard that you're a winner. Um, and, and they want, they want to find Tobias Lopez. How, how do they find you? Well, I'm, again, I'm an associate with Ed Jones Law Firm. So, um, Ed Jones, A-T-T-Y, um, is, uh, dot com. Is Ed Jones, Attorney Ed Jones <laughs> is our law office. Look, Google him. I'm part of that firm if you want criminal representation from us. If you just want to give me a shout out, Tobias Xavier Lopez at gmail.com. Fort Worth Vaqueros, you want to talk some soccer, we can do that. Uh, come out and see us next summer. But you can find me, I'm on social media, Facebook, Twitter, just Tobias Xavier Lopez. You can find me out there. Um, and again, email me. I don't care. Tobias Xavier Lopez at Gmail. All right. All right. That's solid. Well, Tobias, thank you for being here. It's been fun. I've been smiling the whole time, uh, catching up with a good friend. Obviously, we do a lot together. Um, and so it's been, it's been a pleasure for me. Uh, I'm going to let Andrew sign us off. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Tobias. Um, really great talking with you about this big win, and uh, hope you have many, many more to come. Everyone, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We are now on Google Podcasts as well. Please leave us a rating there. If you want more information about the podcast, send us an email, uh, contact us individually. You can go to texascrimdefense.com. Again, that's texascrimdefense.com. For Andrew Decker, my name is Andrew Harris. You've been listening to Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. So a brief addendum to our episode with Tobias Lopez. Uh, the state did ask for a rehearing, and in the second court of appeals denied that rehearing and actually said, in its motion for rehearing, the state asserts that the appellate never argued that 4207A7 is unconstitutionally broad. This is an about-face from the state's previous briefing, which not only acknowledged appellate's over-breadth arguments, but in fact referred to them in no fewer than seven times in its response, including a four-page subsection titled, Section 4207A7 is not unconstitutionally overbroad because it does not criminalize protected speech. We disagree with the state's new position. Um, it, it's interesting that, that, they, that they argued that and that the Court of Criminal Appeals basically just slapped them down and rejected that argument completely. But currently it is being heard or being sent up to the Court of Criminal Appeals 
And at a later time, if we find out about uh, what they decide, we will let you know. Thanks for listening. <laughs>